Um, Revelation chapter 4, and it's the whole chapter we're going to read. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles, rumblings and peals of thunder. And in front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center, round the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, and the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Well, I heard a story once. I didn't experience it or see it, but I heard a story once um, about my wife, Katie, having a go at midweek flag-waving worship. Um, she's never done it before. She'll probably never do it again, but she had a go. I think she'd basically been to Soul Survivor or some sort of event where everyone gets really pumped up and she's really wanting to go for it. And she came back and the first thing she did was got a rolling mat and she headed down to the community center with some friends. Her dad had set up this church in a community center in quite a difficult, hard uh, housing estate. It was right in the center of this housing estate. And they would just want to go for it. They were passionate with praise. They went down with all their mats going into this community center armed with a stereo and the latest CD, the worship CD, to absolutely go for it. At the same time, there was a group of teenage boys on the housing estate who had kind of seen these girls walking down in their spandex, and they were like, where are these girls going? So they kind of slowly followed on and followed them to the community center. 
Now, Katie and uh, the ladies had left the door open because they were waiting for other people to come. So the kind of door was open there, and uh, the boys were kind of slowly wandering towards uh, the community center. And it wasn't long before the CD was playing. It was turned up full. The ribbons were out. Uh, the smoke machine was probably going. The rolling mats were laid out. The flags were out. There were streamers. It was all going. And these teenage boys came into the open door. And they got a glimpse of something they will never forget. <laughs> they got a glimpse of something that was like Christian Zumba on steroids. It was like incredible. There was sweat, tears, massive expressions. Like there's nothing wrong with prophetic dance. Josh has got a black belt in it. He's got all the gear and no idea. But these guys were absolutely going for it. And for somebody who has no context of flags and ribbons and streamers and every prayer being a powerful weapon and all this stuff that was going on it was quite strange for a group of teenage boys on the housing estate peering in to something they were like what on earth are we observing and watching and of course what the boys did then was begin to hurl abuse at them and shout all sorts of obscene rude crude and a whole lot of stuff and needless to say Katie's never done it since what we have uh, in this text what we have in this passage we see John begins to see something that he's like, what was that? John begins to see something that is like worshipful. It's colorful. There's flashes of light. There's, work, there's music going on. There's song going on. There's creatures going on. There's crowns. There's gold. There's ribbons. I don't know if there's flags. But if there would be, there, there could be. There's all sorts of stuff going on. And John gets a glimpse of something different. Something that John will never forget. It's almost like eternity is just pulled back the curtain and he peers in and he sees this incredible image. Now the context for this is that John uh, is writing a letter. He's writing a letter to first century uh, Christians, but it is actually, a f in fact, a message to all Christians through all of time. Think about letters like the Apostle Paul, James, Jude. They are letters that are written for the church at that specific time, but also carry weight, carry authority from God to speak to the church today and beyond. It's a letter for us. It's a, for let, a letter for them. Think about the context that, that John is writing in. Mark talked about it this morning, that it was a time of chaos. It was a time of um, confusion, a time of fear, a time of Roman oppression that John is, is, finds himself in this story, and yet he sees something eternal. He sees something different, something other. He catches a glimpse of something going on that is hopeful. Something that goes on that can't be shaken. Something that goes on that lasts forever. He sees this eternal worship just going on and on. He sees it. His feet are on the ground. He doesn't ignore the context that he's in. But his heart, his eyes are open to it. Imagine if just for a second we got a glimpse into the heavenly realms. Just imagine if the text, the passage that Roderick has just read out, if we got a glimpse of eternity's curtain being pulled back and we saw the worship going on, God on the throne, worship going on, all sorts of stuff happening. John says that he was immediately taken in the spirit. It was like his eyes were opened. They were widened. He was sensitive. He was aware of something that was going on. 
Imagine if as people, when we come to worship, when we encounter the Spirit of God, we say, God, open my eyes just to see beyond the situation, to see beyond where I'm at, what's going on, the things I read, the things I hear. Lord, help me see from heaven's perspective. Help me see something that isn't shaken, how it would shape, how it would affect our lives. These creatures that are there, they're just singing God's praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What a gift John has. John is gifted with this vision, but we are gifted with it because he's able to write it down, to describe it, and to give us a glimpse of hope, of eternity. To give us a glimpse of something that is eternal. How incredible. It's worth saying as well that, you know, for those of you who are kind of freaking out, thinking, well, to be honest... I kind of like Mark's songs and I, I kind of like the worship time and it's great. Wouldn't want to do it forever. Wouldn't want to do it like on repeat, like I'm stuck in this loop of worship, like when you press on Spotify and you hit repeat. And it's like, I've heard this song. It's just going round and 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 round, round, round. Yes, worship is happening at this moment. John gets a glimpse of these beings, these creatures worshiping God. And there is worship in heaven, but all of heaven necessarily isn't worshiping at the same time. It's not just a constant worship track stuck on repeat and we know that actually God talks about the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven coming down and being amongst us now that we encounter the, ex- the kingdom of God where we are we hear in Revelation 20 about, about heaven coming down to earth that actually in eternity we'll be given jobs to do that we'll have responsibilities we're not just stuck in this cycle of song but we're positioned we're postured in a place of gratitude and thanks, worshiping God for who he is, what he's done, how much he loves us, and our eyes are opened and we are around him. Now in this picture uh, that Roderick read out, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful things. We're not gonna get into the numbers and the figures and the stats and the images and all that sort of stuff, but I do wanna focus on two things. The two things that I wanna focus on is the activity So what on earth is going on here? What is the activity that's going on? And I want to look at the characters. Who is doing this? Why are they doing it? Who are these characters? And why are these characters doing it? Well, the activity then, first of all, it's just constant worship that we see there. It's the glimpse of these people worshipping. It's zoomed in at at, at the worship of God, God on the throne. These creatures gathered around and worshipping him. We get a little glimpse of that, don't we, on a Sunday where, where we just sing out. Had an amazing moment there where just someone was able to sing out just something from their heart, something that they know God has said, spoke to us, be still and know that I am God. We see it at Kingdom Come. It's going to be great to have Nick Herbert who will encourage us again to just gather around the throne to sing out, to worship and praise God. But when I thought about this image that we have of this worship that's going on and gratitude just being poured out on the throne of God and just over God and just being sung out and over God and it being this kind of like just constant gratitude and praise and thanks, I was reminded of something similar on a very small scale. But here in the UK, in a thing called David's Tent, I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure some of you have been to it. But David's tent is a, is a thing down south, it's in the UK, and it's a gathering of people who come together to worship, and they worship constantly, non-stop. Worship is happening for three days. So it's three days of constant worship and praise and art and prayer and all sorts of expressions of thanks and gratitude 
There's obviously a rota. There's obviously worship leaders. They don't stay up, but they kind of high-five. They tag team. But they keep the worship going for three days. It's absolutely amazing. It's incredible. I've never been. But what a tiny glimpse of eternity where we'll be eternally grateful and thankful. And with our lives and the things that we do, we will worship God for his goodness. The guy who's the UK... um, director of a guy called Rich Di Casaloni, we, we sing some of his songs. I called him up in preparation for this talk, and I said, Rich, what do you love about David Tenter? Like, firstly, what on earth is going on? It's three days of worship. Like, what does that look like? What is great about constant worship? And he said three things he loves. Firstly, he loves the passion. People come and they gather, and there's a passion for worship. Lord, just stir a passion in our hearts that we would passionately, whatever that looks like, Passionately want to worship you with our lifestyles. Passionately want to worship you with our money. Passionately want to worship you in song and praise. Firstly, he said, I just observed that people are passionate. Secondly, there's unity. That people from all different denominations and understandings of worship and pray, they come together and there's unity amongst them. How amazing is that? How brilliant is that? And then thirdly, the community that happens These people suddenly forget which church they're from. They forget what style of worship they're used to. They forget the sort of favorite tracks and CDs that they're into. And there's just community. They're sharing, they're doing life together. And I said to Rich, that sounds brilliant and it sounds lovely, but I feel kind of like spoiled. I feel a little bit like how fortunate are we that we can come together and we can worship a known God. We can worship God and we can praise God because we now know him. But what about the people that don't know him? We talked about evangelism basically being a call to worship. You know, evangelism exists because worship doesn't in places and in, in, in people groups. Evangelism is this call to worship, like the church bell in the parishes that would ring to usher people in just like what John saw, gathered around the throne, just worshipping, giving glory to God. When I was in a church in London, um, I was running the Alpha course, and I wanted to invite people in uh, to to hear about Jesus, uh, to, to be in relationship with Jesus, but ultimately to come to a space where they can worship God, where we get to do that every Sunday. I wanted people to come and worship God. And I remember saying to, to them, look, we're going to do, um, I, I did a notice at the front of church in London. I was like, we're going to do a, an alpha supper. We're going to cook a Thai green curry. I've bought hundreds of bags of Thai green crisps. I've stapled alpha flyers to the crisps. And I want to invite you to come out. We're going to hand out crisp packets and say, hey, we're having a Thai green curry for our alpha supper. Here's an invite. Would you come? You know, the only person that came was Rich, the director of David's tent. He's the only person that came. And I tried to dig out a photograph, I don't have it, but I've got a picture of, of Rich Di Casaloni with this crate filled with crisp packets with alpha flyers stapled on them as we went out into King's Cross in London and we invited people to come and worship. Come and worship the God that you don't know yet. Come and worship. Come and gather around a throne where worship continually goes, happening in heaven is in eternity. Let's not be, um, not that we're not ungrateful, but let's be mindful that when we worship, we're so privileged, aren't we? So amazing that we have this opportunity. We know God. But sometimes when I'm worshiping and I'm, I'm praising God, I try and picture a, a work colleague, a friend. Well, not really a work colleague because I work for the church. But um, somebody that doesn't know God, although I'm praying for Dave. I'm, Lord, God. I try and picture people that I know that don't worship, people that I know that don't believe in God. And in the empty seats, I'm like, what would it look like if they were sat there? 
with their arms in the air or their hands out or just singing a song to God, the God that they don't know yet? What would it look like if one of our friends came to worship, joined in with heaven to worship God that they don't know? I think it's an amazing picture, this David's tent, of just, just a little glimpse of what is going to happen in eternity. It was gathering together, being grateful of who God is, what is done in our lives as we worship God together. Well, let's look at what John saw. He saw people, um, he saw worship happening. The first thing I want to look at is the living creatures. So he saw these living creatures, didn't he? And if you read the commentaries, most scholars, most theologians agree that they would say that the living creatures would represent the created. Remember, they are living creatures. They're creatures. There's a a lion. There's an ox. There's an eagle. There's man. It's creation in eternity. And they're symbolizing the created. And they're worshiping God because they're created. They are creation crying out to God in praise. We see that in Scripture, we see that the rocks will cry out in praise. We see um, in Psalm 66, it says, All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Here we see the living creatures, created order, creation. The things that have been given breath by God, worshipping God, praising God. And there's observers watching these living creatures, creation, crying out to God, saying, We are created, we exist because of you. It's an incredible image. And you know, we get to join in with that too. I'd encourage you to get amongst creation. Get up Arthur's seat. Get amongst creation. Get amongst earth and soil and plants and flowers. Get amongst it and see it. And just, just acknowledge that actually that is created of God and it sings of his, pre, of his praise. He talks about creation screams out the existence of God. Creation itself sings out the existence of God. If creation is doing it, let's take our lead from them. Let, let's take our lead from it, from creation. Let's get amongst it. John Tyson, who is a, is a, is a church pastor in New York, in the sort of concrete jungle. He's just purchased a small, tiny, run-down little cabin and he just escapes to it. And he says he goes there because he wants to get amongst creation. He wants to look at the leaves and he wants to look at the dirt and he wants to look at the soil and he wants to see what God has created and be mindful of it and say, wow, God, you are worthy of praise. You know, the pinnacle of God's creation, it's us. Twelve times, he, 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 God said when he created it in one of the creation narratives, he made it and he saw it was good. He made it and he saw it was good. But when he created us, he's like, wow, that's good. <laughs> that is awesome. And think about our bodies. Like if we want to praise God, uh, and like John saw in this image, if we want to praise God for something and think about it, just think about the actual frame and body that you are in, the fingerprints that you carry. Isaac Newton, one of the greatest uh, scientists arguably that ever lived, he said for him, there's enough evidence in the thumb to prove the existence of God. But let's just think about the body. Like we are created in an amazing way. We praise God because of creation. Hey, Jess did this amazing talk at the 9 a.m. this morning. And Jess, Jess is a mathematician, and she's done the math. She's been thinking about the human body. Jess, come up, grab a mic. Just explain to us what this is. And this should turn our information into praise. Yeah, so I was reading a book um, this week, and in it, someone had written, and they were just talking about you know, how it is great to be a living human being. And they'd written... 
well, well, this, this many atoms, they've never arranged themselves in this way to make me, and they never will again. And so I got to thinking, well, how many atoms are there in a human body? Well, um, it, it turns out there are that many. Oh my gosh. Now that's the number seven octillion. So that's a seven with 27 zeros afterwards. And it's a lot more zeros than even I thought it was because um, I made this in my living room and it didn't fit. <laughs> um, but these seven octillion atoms then break down to make 37.2 trillion cells. Wow. And if just a couple of these were in the wrong order, you wouldn't be you anymore. And that was the thing that struck me the most about this is that the God that we're talking about who created the whole universe took the time and the detail to perfectly order your seven octillion <laughs> atoms to make you exactly who you are. Amazing. Let's give Jess a round of applause for even doing all them zeros. That's a lot of zeros. You know, it's no wonder that the psalmist in Psalm 139, verse 14 says this, I praise you. I praise you, God, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And in this Bible passage, the living creatures have got it right. They're giving glory where glory is due. They're giving God praise because they are created. Like when we look at creation and we look at ourselves and our body and humanity, we we should just turn all of that to praise. To say, God, I just praise you because you have created me. You are amazing. So the activity of worship is important, isn't it? And these living creatures, as I say, they've got it right. They're giving God the worship. They're giving him praise. And you know, as people, as created beings, we're actually created to worship. That's how God's designed us. We are created to worship Something Ultimately, we're created to worship God, but sometimes it kind of gets a bit misplaced. But we're created to worship God. And because of that, we can sometimes become what we worship. We can become what we worship. So if you worship sex, chances are you can become lustful. You can become perverted. You can become obsessed. You can get yourself in a whole load of trouble. If you worship power, you can potentially become somebody that tramples over others to get to the position that you want. How do we know when these things kind of rule in our lives that we worship something? It's probably the first thing we think about. If we get to work and we're thinking, all I want to do is get to the top. I don't care who I stand on. I just want to become powerful. I want to be the top. Chances are, potentially, it's become an idol. C.S. Lewis said that the idols always break the heart of their worshippers. Idols always break the heart of their worshippers. See, we're created to worship God. And when we do, we become like him. Because we're created to become the thing that we worship, like the thing that we worship. Our practices then, and the things that we do in life, in our day-to-day, are important. If we're created to worship as created beings, like the living creatures 
in our text. They're worshiping God because they're created. He's the creator. He is God. They're giving him praise. They're giving him thanks. If we're created to worship, our activity in our day-to-day is important, especially in, in a time that we're living in where we can look around and we feel kind of a bit like, oh my gosh, what is going on? We need to find a space where even in the midst of it all, we can still worship God. We can still give him praise and glory. The Apostle Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, wherever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's basically saying fill your mind with them sort of stuff. So allow yourself to think on the things and worship God. Fill your head with that stuff. I'm going to be honest. Um, I have two tracks that I go down. And, and each morning on my commute into work, um, I'm, I'm aware that I can set one hair running in a certain direction or I can set another hair running in another direction. And usually it falls down to, for me, two different tracks. One of them is I go to my app on my phone and I listen to my half-finished songs that I've started to record. And I can do that, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm going to be honest, it doesn't take me into the throne room of God. It doesn't take me into this place that we've just read where I just am aware of God, the presence of God. It doesn't take me to a place of worship. Or I can flick over to Spotify or Apple Music or something else, you know, and there's other platforms available. And I can choose to click on a worship song, and I don't always feel like it. It's like, ah, you know. But a few songs in, my heart's warmed up. A few songs in, I begin to think differently. A few songs in, the hair's running in that direction. And a few songs in, I'm caught up in the heavenly space where I'm just suddenly aware that the song that I'm singing in my head and as I'm engaging with it, I'm caught up in something other, something bigger, something greater. Like the image that John saw, that picture of eternity. There's worship and there's praise happening right now at this time. And as we choose to worship and engage with the worship in our day, our hearts are lifted. We're taken up to another place. The Apostle Paul says actually that we are seated in the heavenly realms. We need to be aware that actually we we, we tread two places. We tread two places. We're caught up in the heavenlies. We're worshiping. So so I would encourage you to, to find worship, to find music, that whatever your situation looks like, and it's gonna be difficult, and especially in this time that we're in, We need to submerge ourselves. We need to immerse ourselves. We need to position ourselves closer to the throne. We need to come closer to the throne and be mindful, aware of what is going on and worship God. We need to engage with that because it will shape who we are. You know, the truth is the story that we live in is the story that we'll live out. So the story that we live in will be the story that we live out. So if we take ourselves to the place of, I'm loved, I'm cared for, I'm positioned, I'm seated in the heavenlies, I am loved by God, there's worship happening now, and I'm going to be with God for eternity, and I'm going to be grateful, and I'm going to be eternally thankful, and I am seen by God, and there's thousands of people all around the world worshiping God, and I'm part of a community, and I'm part of a family. If we position ourselves in that story, then hopefully we'll live that story out. So it's important, the story that we find ourselves in. I was reminded um, when Mark and I took our story to the fringe. We took our praise and worship to God in the center and the middle of the fringe right at the Royal Mile. This was on the last day 
of the, of the Fringe Festival as we sang Spirit Break Out, as we sang Amazing Grace, as we sang the songs people have been singing over and over, and I slapped a dog collar on because I didn't want people to throw money at me like we were buskers. And we had some amazing looks and some people gathering and some people standing and there was this one guy and I was like oh my gosh he's absolutely going to beat me up after this he was quite well built he had a shaved head and he looked quite scary and he's just standing staring at me I don't look at him don't look at him don't look at him don't look at him carrying on singing spirit breakout spirit breakout and as I looked up and I looked at his lips and it was amazing grace actually he begins to sing amazing grace amazing grace Oh my gosh, there's something greater going on that we ever know, ever imagine. There's something greater than what we ever see. We're caught up in this place. But we might need to, and especially in this time, we might need to take our story to the people. If people can't come to church, we might have to take church to them. We might have to go and be the church. We might actually have to love our neighbors in a way that we love ourselves I honestly believe that the world would be changed if, even if we took that phrase. If we loved our neighbours in the way that we love ourselves, I think that, that could potentially change the world, make a massive difference, wouldn't it, if we actually took that serious? Even our actual neighbours. We loved our neighbours as we love ourselves. Okay, finally then, just the other characters that's in this. The 24 elders. Again, reading the commentaries, doing a bit of research, looking at it, most people agree that these elders represent the people of God. They're the people of God. They are the church. They are us. They're the first church. They're the people of God, worshipping God. And what are these elders doing? Well, they're wearing crowns. They're gathered around the throne. But they are looking at creation, the created order. They're looking at the created. And they're like, oh my gosh, this creation is screaming out praise and worship to God. And every time they do it, and every time the created living beings give worthy, uh, sing worthy to God, they fall down and take off their crowns and lay them at the feet of Jesus. It's this constant thing going on. It's a constant thing. What an amazing picture. The people of God, us, removing crowns, removing identity, maybe removing things that we think are important, taking it off, Laying it down at the feet of Jesus. I wonder what your crown is tonight. I wonder what your crown is that, that you wear, that, that you might think, Lord, if this was removed from me, I don't know who I would be. But this is, this, is, this is the thing that's important to me. What an image as the living creatures worship and praise. The elders just cannot help but fall at the feet of God in the throne room and just cast their crown at him, at his feet. And say, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of it all. Because no other crown that we can wear will ever come close to the glory of God, to the importance of God, to how supreme and amazing, how wonderful God is. I'm just going to invite you to stand and, and Mark and Lucy and the guys are just going to come. And just encourage you just to um, take this opportunity just to try and fix your eyes on the, maybe that picture. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes, though, on that picture of, um, of eternity and, and the worship that's going on right now as we speak. Just allow that picture just to uh, penetrate your heart. 
picture of eternity. And I pray that that would just increase and enlarge in our hearts and in our mind that actually we would see that fully. That is incredible. That's happening right now. Heavenly spaces and places just worshiping God because he's worthy of praise. He's worthy of all the praise and worthy we can give him, the glory we give him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So in a moment, I'm going to offer the opportunity for us just to come close to the throne room of God. Just to step into that picture and say, I want to acknowledge that I'm part of that story. I'm part of that praise. I want to move my feet to the position of saying, God, I'm here. I acknowledge that I am a child of God and I'm here in your presence.